This podcast is brought to you by JBL. Employing the best methods and tools, audio technology is at the core of everything JBL creates. Never straying from a ground-up approach to everything they build, JBL has produced a prolific list of audio achievements, groundbreaking technologies, and revolutionary advances in the art and science of professional audio. JBL, passion for sound and those who create it. Learn more at JBL.com. Hello and welcome to Tape Ops Discussion, where we call our friends and music community notables to chat about their favorite records. Enjoy. Hey man, how are you, Ryan? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm doing good. You awake? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's noon here, dude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I must be talking to myself. <laughs> I could use more coffee, but you know. When is that it's not true? Things. I know, right? That's pretty much what this show's about. It's just, we, it's just kind of, uh, it's just a big ad for coffee. <laughs> well, you're supposed to have sent me some. We gotta do a coffee exchange. Oh yeah, I totally blew it. That's because I don't have your address. Oh yeah, I blew it too. It's okay. We're gonna call you. Your new name is Ryan Blewett. <laughs> Jesus. Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> Sailing hardships through broken harbors out on the waves in the night. Welcome to discussion. I'm Jeff Stanfield. And for today's episode, I get to chat with my friend Ryan Hewitt about Neil Young's 1970 release, After the Gold Rush. Tell me why. You dropped the suggestion that we chat about Neil Young's After the Gold Rush, you know, a record I've heard of. Yeah, a few people have heard of it. It's, uh, it's actually interesting. Uh, you know, I mean, Neil, Neil has had a place in my life i think since i was born uh because my dad's been working with him since probably around the time of this record 19 in the early, certainly the early 70s before i was born yeah 1970 this one was 1970 i don't know when my dad's first gig with neil was um but he's done like a ton of live records with neil and the first time that i can remember going to see a show that my dad was recording was neil young and crazy horse they were on the Rust Never Sleeps tour. And we, you know, the family flew out to Denver to hang out with my dad. And we went on to San Francisco and my sister fell off the trolley car. And then she poked my dad's eye out. Oh, funny enough, she poked my dad in the eye. <laughs> and he had to go to the hospital. That's so funny. The, the, just all the things that stack up. Uh, and then, you know, obviously, and then I got to work with Neil last year making a new record with him with crazy horse and i showed him the pic we have pictures from the show in 1978 that my dad took from the stage um not of me Amazing. but um of that particular show wherever that gig was and i showed it to neil and he was just blown away and and also neil didn't even know it was going to be me recording the album uh you know rick was producing and uh and I, it, Rick introduced me to, to Neil. He's like, oh, you might know Ryan's father, David. And Neil just kind of like, his jaw just fell on the floor. It was really funny. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. 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 So like I've listened to Neil my whole life. And, uh, you know, the other funny part of it is like uh, my college roommate 
hated Neil Young. And so when I started hating my college roommate, I started playing a lot more Neil Young. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So there's, there's just been like this, this ever presence in my life of Neil's music, you know, and I loved him through the eighties and nineties when I was in junior high and high school and all that at the same time I was listening to the Chili Peppers and, you know, uh, the Misfits and like all sorts of punk rock and, and, you know, prog rock and weird shit. Like Neil was always there. You know, yeah. I mean, and and to be fair, Neil Young is pretty punk rock. I mean, He's I don't very care punk what, rock. I think he has such such broad appeal for that reason. I mean, it. You know, the the funny thing thing was was I had to go dig through my CD collection and uh, grab this one off the shelf and to listen to it because um, none of this is on, of course, on any sort of spot. You know, Spotify or any of the streaming <laughs> services, which is, of course, p- very punk rock. Very punk. Um, now, again, this record. I mean, I've listened to, you know, five billion times. <laughs> And and it is top to bottom just an amazing. Record. It's incredible. Like there's the it's it's amazing. Like I've I have to admit I don't think I've ever actually sat down to listen to this record. Like it's always been in the car or like on Sonos or or walking around or or, or in passing. And it, it's it is. It's like when I when I had suggested that record, it just came to me. You know, you're like, what record? And I was just like, let's let's do this one. And and I forgot that all these songs were on this record and I forgot about sort of the, some of the B sides. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's really funny. And I forgot that some of it was recorded at his house and some of it was recorded at sunset. Um, and it, it's, yeah, it's a trip. It's a trip to, to sit down and listen to something that you think, you know, so well, and then find new magic in it. You know, and especially like after getting to work with Neil and Nils and and Billy and Ralph, you know, it it takes on a whole other dimension to then sit down and listen to the recording, you know, like to dive in on the on the nerd level of like, oh shit, oh okay, yeah, so this sounds like you know four dudes playing in a sweaty basement, you know, and then there's the bleed that you're hearing and and the edits and the you know someone saying something that's gotten clipped off, you know, either because of an edit or someone just left the fader open and there was you know at the end of a punch or something, you know, you can hear Nils right. in the right speaker in one of the songs, you know, where he says something and it's really loud, you know, it's not hidden, yeah. you know, another you know another example of Neil being a total punk, not giving a shit. You know, this record is just stunning in its simplicity. Mm-hmm. I mean, it 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 uh and it's incredibly dry, of course. And um it's funny that you you know, you were recording with with Rick and and you know, it's kind of the first thing when I put it on, I was like wow, it's sort of like what Rick Rubin does now with records and it's just you know it, it's just the essence of the music and the songs and yeah. it's 
it's it's really not overthought. There's tons of space. I mean, that's that's the thing is that Neil Neil is not overthought. You know, all of his stuff. Like when you read about the creation of his records, I was just reading about Heart of Gold just out of curiosity, and how that all just came together at a dinner. You know. Uh, that whole session came at a dinner and Neil's like, can you put together a band tomorrow? And and they're like, okay, yeah. And just random people, the dude just walked off the street with his bass and sat in and played bass on the song, you know? And it was like two takes. Right. And, and you know, uh, James Taylor and Linda Ronstadt happened to be in town for that shooting of that Johnny Cash show. And they just walked in the control room, listened to it once, sang it twice, and they were done. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, all of this stuff is just so... It, the 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 take of it is simple and then he edits shit you know <laughs> you know i mean i think everybody now struggles with like when is something done is it good enough is it, it and this just feels so free you listen to yeah. it and it's just sort of like yeah that was the moment and that's what we captured and that's what it is i mean Nil, nils was 19 when they did this yeah, record 18. i think or something yeah. something like that yeah yeah he happened to send me a text the other day and i just hit him back i'm like hey i'm doing a podcast on on um after the gold rush and i was like which songs did you play piano on because i don't think it's credited per song you know yeah. and and he was nice enough to to um, hit me back because he, he had sent me this video of, of one of his new songs. And so he played piano on Southern Man, Only Love Can Break Your Heart, Cripple Creek Ferry, Don't Let It Bring You Down. He played acoustic guitar on Tell Me Why, Till the Morning Comes, and then sang on a bunch of them. That was his thing. He said D Jack Nietzsche played piano on When You Dance. Neil played piano on After Gold Rush, Birds, and whatever else. Uh but it's just like, even that is just so fun to like text with Nils Lofgren and be like, hey, which song did you play on? You know, and then like, and, and, and he wasn't really even known as a piano player at the time. You know, he was a guitar player in his band Grin. And like, when I was listening down to it, Southern Man is like the most rockin' piano part on the record. And right. he's just smashing it over there in the right speaker, you know? I, I mean, yeah, I just look at this track list and I, I'm just like, man, it's just the fabric of like growing up to me. I mean, I just feel like these songs were just woven into, I, you know, I was, uh, you know, one year old when, um, this record came out <laughs> and my, my parents were not listening to Neil Young, but you know, as I became aware of music and the radio and especially later on uh listening to stations like k fog in the bay area that were like um aor you know i mean the, this stuff was just on the radio all the time yeah every one of these songs you didn't have to have the record to know every one of these songs like no personally. i mean yeah tell me why after the gold rush only love can break your heart southern man uh um when you dance all radio and cripple creek ferry yeah. i heard that on the radio too yeah like uh, all all those radio stations like in philadelphia 
you know, the classic rock stations were playing them when I was in, you know, junior high and high school, 80s, 90s and whatever. And it, it was, it, it's just like, the repertoire is just inescapable, you know? It's part of the fabric of, like, rock and roll, folk rock, Americana, like all these genres totally. you know, that, that Neil totally. just gracefully dances across, you know? It's, it's yeah. phenomenal. He, and it's also so punk of him to just not give a fuck. He's like, I don't, I don't think he classifies himself, you know, it's, it's, it's extraordinary. And the other thing I love about this record is that the tracks recorded in his basement sound better than the ones recorded in the studio. Did you notice that? Do you know which ones are which? Um, uh, I think it's Don't Let It Bring You Down and I Believe In You. I think are the two studio mm. tracks, if, mm. if I'm not mistaken. And when you, especially like when you listen to Don't Let It Bring You Down, I mean, granted, you know, it was, I think it was a conscious mis mixed decision to make it super mono, whereas I Believe In You is is more stereo. But it, they, like the tone of those two songs doesn't sound nearly as good as the home studio stuff. Yeah, and one one thing on, um, on, uh, don't let it uh, bring you down is that, you know, old man, you know, the lyrics written down in the booklet say old man sitting by the side of the road, but he sings old man lying by the side of the road. <laughs> so which is and, and which he says later in the song, um, dead man lying, you know, by the side of the road uh, later on in the song. And, uh, you know, how many people would have been like, ah, dang, we got to I want to recut that. I sang the wrong lyric. No. Oh, Neil's like, who cares? He doesn't give a fuck. And like, and it's funny on, on the record I did with him, he, uh, he decided, or we're listening down one day, he's like, oh, you know, I think I sang that differently in a different take. Let me just punch that in real quick. And Rick's just like, well, and we just kind of all look at each other because, you know, that's live in the, in the room with the band singing through a PA. And he's just like, and I was like, <laughs> well, you're not worried about the bleed? And he just looks at me, he's like, do I look worried about the bleed? No, let me sing it. And he goes in there, we punch in like one word. And of course you can hear him singing it in the background. And he's like, let me double it. That'll make it go away. <laughs> you know, we'd like double it and then we double track the whole, it turns into this whole thing. But he does the same thing on other records. I didn't, I didn't notice any on this. I didn't notice any ghost lyrics on this record when I was listening to it in headphones. But uh, just, he just doesn't give a fuck. There's rules don't apply to him. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and and ultimately, does it matter? Because this no. is what we're sitting talking about. Yeah. 50 because years, it's 50 interesting. years later, over fifty years. But yeah, later. but it, it's it's more than fifty. I'm afraid to say. I know. Um. Well, yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, that's what like that's what we're talking about. You know, I was yeah. talking to um. Well, I was talking to Albert Hammond Jr. the other day, and we were having the same conversation. Like all those mistakes and all the stuff that's sort of been you know, quantized and gridded out of music, um, you know, whether it be music or, or lyrically or, or any of these things. I mean, those mm. are the things that are interesting and cool about records are those mistakes because it's like, oh, there it it, it taps you and plugs you right into the totally. humanity of It, it of makes the you music. lean in and pay attention, you know? Because it, like, it's not, because <laughs> other thing, it, 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 how many records now just blend into the background? Yeah. And you're just like, oh, it's perfect. It's cool. It's got a vibe. It's all good. But then, like, these are the moments that go, and you're like, what? Yeah. Like, yeah. I was re, I'd, I'd never noticed that about this song because I never really read the, sat down and read the lyrics. And I, I was like, 
what that's not what he's what i was like oh that's cool <laughs> you know like, i mean it's like why not why not Yeah, who cares yeah i mean look the, the, it's a great song yeah so. and then you you know you ask you ask him like what is after the gold rush about and obviously it's it's you know to do it's to do with that the film that was never made but he's just like i don't know <laughs> you know <laughs> he, he I, I don't know just came to me it's something it, you know yeah. it's it, it it defies meaning you know it means whatever you want it to mean you know and like i was listening to i believe in you and it's like okay well that's open to interpretation you know yeah is this a song about god is this a song about a friend a you know family member what is it could be anything my Neil Young story is that after I um, and and uh, I'll preface this by saying I've never I've never met him, but I did grow up in the Bay Area, and uh, you know we would we were uh, frequent uh, goers to the Bridge School benefit, et cetera. But um, a friend of mine uh, took care of his son Ben, hmm. and uh, and lived up lived up at his place. She actually lived in. He, you know, he has several of these little huts on his property or cabins, you know, and this one just happened to be what they called the harvest barn. And it had the piano, uh, that he had recorded harvest on. And there it was in the room and you could sit down and play it. And it's, yeah. you know, it was like this mud and hay walled <laughs> building, you know, very kind of small. And, uh, and so we went, we went up there. And of course, I was just like, you know, I was, either still in high school or just after probably just after high school and um and uh so we were partying a little bit and we decided to go out for a walk and so we're walking it's a vast property you know he's you know he's got buffalo and <laughs> other animals walking around out there and stuff. as you do you know he his house was across the across the lake there and uh um we did not drop in, but we did go for this walk and, and out of nowhere in the sort of the dusk, this cat appears and is walking in front of us and kept turning around and saying, come on. <laughs> and we were all like, Oh my God, you know? And, uh, so we followed this cat, uh, it just kept pausing every time, you know, it'd get a little bit ahead of us. It would pause and it would turn around and look at us and go, come on. <laughs> How many tabs did you uh, take? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, anyway, we followed this cat down and, you know, around the uh, property for a while. And, uh, you know, I'll just leave the story at that. But anyway, that was, uh, you know, a you can't end sort the story of, there, yeah, man. Yeah. Anyway, I'm That's not exactly fair. sure how the evening ended. Um, Even better. Uh, yeah. It, we'll I just leave it to magic. It, it ended magically. Yeah. It ended magically. Yeah. yeah. Um, man, I've always like... But, Ah, that would be, I can't even imagine that property. I've heard stories that he's got, you know, he had multiple studios and, you know, train sets and all sorts of stuff happening. But yeah, I mean, he was just Bay Area, you know. Oh, yeah. Lore. Yeah. It was just like the magic up there. So just to be able to go and be there, you know, especially being there and seeing it and you feel when you hear the music especially the music that was created in the 70s it just feels it sounds like that place looks and smells you know oh yeah I, yeah i mean that 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 is like my favorite it's one of my favorite things about this record is like it's it like i was saying earlier it's like it sounds like you know 
four dudes playing in a sweaty basement. You know, it's got that, like, as you said, like a painfully dry, immediate vibe, you know, and, and Neil's all about like, whatever the vibe is at the moment, that's, that's the sound. Like, cause you listen to like later ones, you know, like, um, uh, like Harvest Moon, that's got a ton of reverb on it. You know, that really big, like cavernous, beautiful sound that I think Nico Bolas did that record. Um, mm -hmm. That is just like, it's such a different world from this one or from Harvest, you know? Um, and, you know, he's just not afraid to just roll with whatever's there. And like when, you know, like when I got to record him, it, I think that record's pretty much dead dry the whole time. Um, but, it, you know, he just, whatever the first playback is, like, don't fuck with it after that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's <laughs> that's sort of the, the thing. And he just makes his mind up immediately, you know? It's um, it, it's fascinating. He's he, there's, there's this, this, like, aura of magic that surrounds him because he's just so sure of what he's doing <laughs> at any given moment, you know? Well, I dreamed I saw the knights in armor come and saying something about a queen There were peasants singing and drummers drumming and the archers split the tree There was a fanfare blowing to the sun that was floating on the breeze Look at Mother Nature on the run in the 1970s Look at Mother Nature on the run in the 1970s I was lying in a burned out basement. Just feels like a black and white photo, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's a period piece, you know. Uh, uh, it's a it's a snapshot of that period. And you know what? The other the other funny thing about it to me is that it got such a terrible review when it came out. Like Rolling Stone just smashed it. You know, and yeah. said, this is a terrible record. And then like two years later, they're saying like, oh, this is like one of the best records of all time. And and 50 years later, it's like in the top 100 records of all time, you know. It's, 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 and that's, but you hit on that, like that danger, uh, you know, of not using a click of like allowing out of tune things to exist and things that are, that are a little whack and a little not square. You know what I mean? It's, it, I was talking to, um, a mutual friend of ours, uh, who, who shoots, who's been Neil's photographer, like one of Neil's photographers for the last few years. And he was telling me about like, you know, Neil loves like out of focus photos and i'm like of course he does of course he likes out of focus fucked up photos you know that's so on brand you know <laughs> um and, and he's like yeah the more fucked up the better you know to the point where like if you can't recognize necessarily what it is it's perfect you know <laughs> right and, and i was like what a what a concept and and for people to be it's so interesting like for you and i to be producers and engineers and and you know have to decide we like we get to decide a lot of times like how perfect things should be or what what constitutes a a, a, a usable mistake versus a, an unusable mistake you know and i find myself um really uh 
that that line or that that decision um is often is so often like intermingled with with the artist or the genre or the expectation of various people around you know a given recording you know what i mean like with neil it's like anything goes and yeah we can punch in a, a word and you hear the other word in the room mics and no one cares because that's that's just expected on a neil record whereas if you're working on like something that's you know in the more you know modern lane this okay well this type of thing is expected to be like this and so do we how how closely do we play that game you know versus you know like are we leading or are we following you know what i mean and it, it's just so interesting to play with that sometimes you know and 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 lead with thing lead with imperfection you lead with re with re what is real versus what what is you know or or you can go the complete opposite direction and make it hyper real and so perfect and focused and like psychedelic in a whole other way does that make sense you know like you can you can go you can lead in either direction you can lead with absolute perfections or like steely dan or like or like um uh tame impala kind of like hyper real or gorillas or something that's just like everything is so fucking perfect that it's it it's leading in a whole other way does that make sense it's dangerous in another way in this business you know if you can put a record out and have people buy it and move people and yeah. and and uh you know I, I everything is it's all valid you know mm -hmm. i mean it's mm -hmm. like there's no there's no right or wrong way to do this stuff no. um you know and bands are still i would love you know i can't honestly say well no one the way it used to be because that's not true <laughs> i mean there true. are tons of people making really amazing records with tons of flaws that are amazing and magnifying those flaws and like you know it's just it's just aesthetic and and just personal preference totally. and sort of it just different ways to do things but this you know this particular record is a great reminder of that and i and i feel like you know, for all of the weird stuff and all of the imperfections on it, it is a hyper real record. Yeah. There's no, there's no trickery. No. It's just like, it's a completely clear, very clear picture. Like yeah. there's, there's, there's nothing very blurry about it. No. You know, um, no, it's, it's a very, it's a very clear documentation of those songs at that yeah. moment in time and and yep. but and that that is a style you know it's 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 so it, it's so clear you're right there's there's no there's no fuzziness or ambiguity about it other than like perhaps the subject matter <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and even records, you know, even, uh, you know, earlier, you know, the first two, this is the third Neil Young solo record, I believe. Mm -hmm. But like, even the, on the first two records, Neil Young and um, Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, even a tune like Cinnamon Girl or something like that is, uh, even though it's fuzzy and distorted and heavy and all that, it's still real clear. Like yeah. everything is, you know, it's, it's, uh, he told me there's like 200 edits on that song. Really? Yeah. It's just blowing the whole concept of, uh, <laughs> everything we talked about. <laughs> See, that's the, that's the beauty of it. Right. He, <laughs> <laughs> <You> just... <laughs> it's, I mean, but it's still fucked up. It's still, it, it's still. Well, it's probably fucked up because they did two hundred tape edits. But, 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 like to your point, it's, 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 it's real. And and the the sausage making is is the sausage making. And and but it still feels real. I mean, I've had people talk tell me like this certain record I did sounds unbelievably perfect and so raw. And I'm just like, you have no idea what I did to make it sound like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's it the the intention. I mean, it's sort of what I was playing with earlier. It's like playing with the intention of record making and and you know deciding what your you know what your playing with and what what your you know where your line of acceptability is and and how you get there and like you're saying there's no wrong way to do this stuff there's no right or wrong or you know answers to that that are that that exist but it's like what makes you happy and what makes a great record and you know like some of the shit we did on on the record I did with Neo was, I, would, I would never have thought to do in a million years you know and it's just like okay and he you know, he was telling me about like they would do window edits, like crazy window edits on shit back in the day and fly entire parts of one track on a 16-track tape to another part of the song. I'm like, that's crazy, you know? I yeah, mean, something we can crazy. do in like three seconds now in Pro Tools. It would take them all day to, you know, set up the rulers to cut out this, you know, six-foot piece of tape and then fly it to another six-foot piece of tape. <laughs> that's mental. Yeah, it's... That's yeah, that's wild. But you know, mother necessity is the mother of invention, right? Yeah, amazing. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts on this one? Uh, it's just like it's a desert island disc for me, man. That's like that's one I would take with me. It's stunning, and and what a what a what a thing! It, what a what a it, what a great excuse to sit down and listen to something you haven't sat down and listened to in a long time. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, no, thank you for uh, reminding me. <laughs> Thanks for asking me to join you again. <laughs> what a trip. Just do this, do it weekly. And let's do it every four years. I think that's when we last saw, <laughs> every, when I last saw you.
Thanks for listening. Discussion is created by Tape Op, the creative music recording magazine. Free subscriptions are available at tapeop.com along with our regular podcast and online content.